There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look, then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's WCN-TV program. It's Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. This is our last program for the year, so we're about to head into 23, and we will see what that will be. You know, we've had some great guests on the show over the last 12 months, uh, including Mark Harrington, Sharam Hadian, Coach Dave, Brandon House, Doug Hagman, Mark Sutherland, John Dislin, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, Jamie Walden, Scott Shera, Jim Harden, Rusty Thomas, George Barna, Paul Walter, Bill Federer, and many more. And you can view all of our previous programs, including our very first one from November 6th of 2019 at our TV website, wcntv.net, or on our Rumble page. Just go to rumble.com and search for WCNTV. I would encourage you to watch these programs, and then share them with everyone you know. We have many more great guests coming up for you in the new year, and I'm excited about who we have next week. I'll let you know in a little bit. And they're going to be offering vital information and lively discussions for you, so I hope you'll continue to join us and invite others to watch with you. And you can be a part of the show, too. Um, when you join live, just go to wcntv.net. Click on join the studio audience, and then you can participate, ask questions of our guests, make comments, and be a part of the show. On today's WCN-TV, we'll be discussing a topic of vital importance to parents and young people everywhere. It's the growing rise of teen substance abuse and mental illness. Our guest today is Richard Capriola. Uh, Richard has been a mental health and substance abuse counselor for over two decades. After a long history in education administration, he worked for over a decade at Menninger Clinic in Houston, where he treated teens and adults diagnosed with mental health and substance use disorders. He's also the author of a new book titled The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. You know, for nearly three years now, mental illness in teens has risen steadily, often turning to prescription drugs or street drugs Teens and young adults have been self-medicating to cope with challenges, obstacles, and feelings of hopelessness, all related to the COVID pandemic, and this continues today. 
Recent studies have shown that teen suicides or suicide attempts increased in young people, especially high school age kids, by nearly 60% during the COVID lockdowns and restrictions. And even in the small town area where I live, there have been multiple teen suicides or suicide attempts here just in the past year alone. And a stunning recent study by Harmony Health IT shows that three quarters of Americans under age 25 have severe anxiety issues caused by the pandemic. 85% say they have no hope at all for the future. 57% take medication on a daily basis now just to cope. And 25% see a therapist at least once a week. So with that, let's bring our guest on the program. Richard Capriola, welcome to WCN-TV. Thank you, Thanks Rob. for being with us. Thank you so much for inviting me to the program to talk about this uh, important topic that you've done a very good job of, uh, of summarizing the mental health aspects of, of what we're seeing. So I, uh, I thank you for inviting me to the program to share some information that I hope your audience and, and, and parents and others will find uh, uh, useful. Well, you know, like I said, that was a stunning uh, research article that I found. It came out only just about a month ago. 85% of, I guess they call them Gen Zers, say they have no hope at all for the future. 85%. Yeah. We have known for a decade, for a decade prior to the pandemic, that there is a mental health crisis among adolescents in our country. Uh, it has been going on for uh, a long time, uh, too long. Um, and then uh, the pandemic came along and it just sort of ignited that mental health crisis as well as substance use. Um, you know, uh, so this is not new information. This, is, this has been a crisis that this country has, has known about for over a decade when it comes to the mental health of our young people. Uh, we just have not been very successful in getting resources and help to these young men and women. Well, you know, I remember back in the 1980s, um, the big thing was just say no. Um, but that was just say no to the street drugs, right? Yeah. But it was also about that same time that Big Pharma really exploded on the uh, on the scene. And you can't, you can't look at a magazine or... or, or watch any type of tv program without seeing you know 50 ads sponsored by pfizer um with with all of their uh products they're putting out well and you know so people United are using you know rx drugs instead of the street yeah. drugs but they're using both <laughs> well it's the definitely. united states is only one of two nations in the world that allows pharmaceutical companies to advertise only mm. one of two nations um, and the pharmaceutical industry was successful at changing the law uh, so that they could begin advertising. And now they spend a tremendous amount of money. I don't know the exact figure, but they spend a tremendous amount of money on advertising. Um, and that money, I think, in my opinion, would be better spent on research. Research or, you know, um, maybe helping the kids. Yeah, that too. That too. So. So let's get into things here. What what are the substances that people are using today? We we hear, I've heard a lot about fentanyl. I don't really know what it is, but I know it's deadly. Um, 
We see a lot of the fentanyl, we see a lot of the opiate uh, addiction uh, in the adult population, not so much in the teenage uh, adolescent population. What we're seeing in the uh, adolescent population, and this has been true for a long, long time, is kids gravitating to alcohol and marijuana as their primary source of, of substances. There is some abuse of, of, of other drugs, um, some abuse of uh, prescription uh, drugs, some over-the-counter uh, uh, drug use, but generally those percentages are less than 5%. Kids are gravitating towards marijuana and alcohol. Now, for three years prior to the pandemic, what we had been experiencing is, is an explosion, a dramatic increase in the number of teenagers who were vaping substances, vaping substances like marijuana and nicotine. And for three years prior to, the prior to the pandemic, the percentages of high school students that were vaping either nicotine or marijuana or both was was dramatically increasing. It really was a, a, a significant concern that these kids were vaping these substances. Then the pandemic uh, came along and it suppressed it significantly reduced substance use among teenagers across the board, dramatically dropped the percentages. You know, kids were confined at home. They were doing online learning. They weren't involved in their extracurricular activities. They were pulled away from their peer groups. So naturally, the substance use during the pandemic declined. Now, just in the last week, there has been new research that was released by the University of Michigan, which examined adolescent substance use during 2022, a year after the pandemic. And what we wanted to see was, okay, now that the pandemic has pretty much subsided, what happened to the decline in substance use during the pandemic? And what we found was that generally, there, there, there's an increase in substance use among teenagers, not to the level it was before the pandemic, but some increases as kids return to using substances like marijuana. Now, the, the one dramatic change was alcohol. Alcohol rebounded more dramatically than all the other substances. Um, so, the, 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 for example, the, the, the pandemic resulted in the largest one-year decline among high school seniors smoking marijuana. It fell from about 35% of high school seniors down to 30%. And this year, it came back pretty much unchanged. So if there was a rebound in kids using substances a year after the pandemic, the, the, the significant increase was in alcohol, not in drugs. Well, and that's, that's kind of the way it's always been, hasn't it? You know, yeah. kids are always um, having their drinking parties. But um, when, we, when we talk about marijuana, um, 22 states now have legalized recreational marijuana. Yeah. How, how is that affecting things as far as the young people are? are they, do they have greater access to it now? Can they get it easier and freely? They don't have greater access to it. Uh, you know, when we ask teenagers, how easy is it for you, get, for you to get drugs? How easy is it for you to get alcohol? Across the board, they tell us it's no big deal. It's, it's there if they want it, it's easy to get. So 
these drugs are readily available to teenagers and they know it. But the second part of that is how harmful do you think these drugs are? You tell us that you know that they're available. Tell us what you think about how harmful they are. They don't think these drugs are harmful. So you've got drugs that are readily available to teenagers who believe that they're not harmful. So you set up a perfect scenario for the substance use we see that's out there today. Well, and um, talk a little bit about um, what that does in a growing brain that has not yet completed. Uh, I think it's 25 years old before you actually have your brain is actually complete completed. Um, and if you're if you're taking in these substances in your teen years and your early 20s, um, what are the long term effects of that? You run the risk of doing some some real damage to that developing adolescent brain. I don't doesn't matter if it's drugs or alcohol. But as you noted, Rob, our brains don't become fully developed until around age 24, 25. So when you take an adolescent brain that is, that's in the process of maturing and developing those connections that are going to be so important for that child as they move into adulthood, you run the risk of doing some substantial damage to that developing brain. So it's very important that parents understand the need to protect their child's developing brain from substances like alcohol and drugs because it can do some real damage to that developing brain um, that might not immediately become observable, uh, but could have some long-term effects. Now, I saw some of the effects on the brain when I was at Minninger Clinic and, and was treating teenagers who were smoking uh, a lot of marijuana. I mean, these kids were smoking marijuana multiple times a day. And they're very bright kids. These kids' IQs were above average to superior. These were very, very bright young men and women, but they were smoking a lot of marijuana. And, and when the psychological test came back on these kids, what I noticed was that there was, there was a delay in the processing speed of their brain. It just wasn't clicking along the way it should be clicking along. Their short-term memory was impaired and their motivation was very low. So now these are symptoms that a parent might not readily see because they're not noticeable. We only uncover it because we did the psychological and the neuropsychological test to see what was going on in the brain. But it was an indication that marijuana was doing something to the brain of these young men and women. So uh, that's, the message is the adolescent brain needs to be protected. Well, and I think there are more, even uh, even more serious long-term side effects from that. Um, you know, I, I know people that are dealing now with um, panic attacks and paranoid schizophrenia and ADHD and uh, um, bipolar disorders. And, and a lot of that, I believe, stems back from their marijuana use when they were uh, growing up. 
It, and it also may be that they are have a predisposition to those disorders, uh, like uh, psychological, psychiatric disorders, um, some thought disorders, some paranoia, uh, some emerging personality disorders. Uh, those may already be a part of their genetic makeup, and then the marijuana sort of triggers it and ignites it. I've seen that happen uh, in, in too many cases. So some some people are just predisposed to having these types of mental illnesses, and the marijuana is like adding fuel to a fire that's already sitting there. Well, and you know, I think we've all heard that um, uh, today's marijuana that you that you buy at your local dispensary is much different than what they had back in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, isn't it? It is uh, substantially different. You know, when uh, uh, when I was growing up uh, in, back in the 60s and 70s, the age of Woodstock, for example, uh, the marijuana that they were smoking had a THC, which is the psychoactive component of marijuana, had a THC content of maybe two, three, four percent. Um, and they thought that that was powerful. Um, the THC now that is grown hydroponically and harvested and, and, and used today has a THC content that can go up in the 70, 80, and 90%. Uh, so, wow, so, are you so, kidding? So it is much more powerful, much more potent than the, than the marijuana, um, you know, parents might have been smoking back in the 60s and 70s. Do people die from that? <laughs> that sounds, that no, sounds like a drastic, no, go from no. 2% to 90%? No, nobody's ever died from smoking marijuana. It's pretty much impossible to get a lethal overdose of marijuana. Uh, it, it's just not likely to happen. Uh, whereas with some of these other drugs like fentanyl and cocaine and, uh, and, and others, you can, you can get a lethal dose of it, but, uh, no one has ever died of, uh, of smoking marijuana. Uh, now they might've, they might've get, they might've gotten hurt or killed because they did something stupid under the influence. Uh, but you cannot smoke enough marijuana so that the smoking alone would, uh, would, would result in, uh, in a fatality. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Richard, you mentioned alcohol and, and marijuana, but um, I'm not sure how it is in other parts of the country, but in our area, for years now, there's been a, a serious issue with heroin, uh, especially in heroin in the schools. Um, fentanyl, that, that's something that we've all, I've only just heard about in the last couple of years, but... Um, not sure where these kids are getting this stuff or where they're using it or or how it's available but um it's even in even in the smallest town i'm talking this town a friend of mine lives there, he, there the town probably has 200 people population and the uh, the county sheriff cannot keep the the heroin issue under control um which is leading to other things they've got teen prostitution going on and this is a tiny town in in the middle of nowhere yeah so these drugs are readily available no matter where you live you know i tell parents all the time um you know it doesn't matter where you live it doesn't matter what church you go to it doesn't matter what your level of income is uh, it doesn't matter what school you send your child to Every child is vulnerable 
to getting captured by drugs. Every child is vulnerable. And parents need to be aware of that, not, not to become paranoid about it, not to become afraid of it, but just to become aware that every child is vulnerable to getting captured by alcohol or some form of drugs. So if that is the case and you suspect that your child may have an issue, um, what's the first thing that parents should be doing? The first thing they should do is have a conversation with their child. And by that, I mean, don't accuse the child, don't punish the child, don't threaten the child. Have a conversation with the child, you know, come at it with an inquiring point of view. You know, I'm seeing these behaviors. Can you help me understand why I'm seeing this? I'm concerned that you might be using uh, marijuana or drinking alcohol. Can you help me understand why I might be concerned about that? Can you help me understand what's going on? Now, that's a conversation quite frankly, that's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to blow up and the child's going to become argumentative and defensive, or you might actually learn some things that you that you didn't know about. But regardless of how that first conversation goes, if you're still concerned as a parent, you need to move to the next step, uh, which is to get the assessments done that I've recommended in my book. Um, certainly, uh, uh, an alcohol and substance use assessment so that you know you know what's going on with your child's use of a substance you need a psychological or a neuropsychological assessment to see if there's some underlying issues that your child might be confronting that they're using a substance to medicate um, so so you need a good comprehensive assessment so that as a parent you have the information and the diagnoses and the treatment plan to move forward yeah, and that's not as difficult as it as it may seem. They have um, um, drug detection kits readily available over the counter at your local pharmacy, and um, of course you can buy them. It's getting the kids to uh, actually take the test uh, is, is maybe another thing. But tell you what, tell them you either take this test or um, we're changing the. Uh, the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> You're not going to get the Wi-Fi password. Yeah, until, you, we our, until we get our test results. You use you use whatever you have to uh, to, to get compliance. You know, I don't know of very many kids uh, uh, that are going to voluntarily want to take you know a, a drug test, especially yeah. if they're using a drug. Right. Uh, right. But. Um, I'm guessing it's probably not the first time as a parent you've heard your child say no to you. So you need to hold the ground and uh, and get the test done. They're not, you know, they're, it's, it's just a good thing to do if you suspect your child is using a substance. And there's other resources you can turn to also. You can talk to your school counselor if you need referrals on getting some of these assessments done. You can talk to the school social worker or the school psychologist. Many of them can do these assessments for you. And if they can't, they can refer you to people in the community who can do these assessments so that you get the information you need to be able to deal with this issue. And if treatment's needed, you get advice on what the best treatment options are. And um, so, Let's talk about some of the warning signs because kids are really good at hiding stuff, aren't yeah, they? They are. What, so yeah. what, what should parents be on the lookout for? Well, so many times, Rob, I would sit across from a family um, at Menninger Clinic 
and I would go through their child's use of a substance. What, what, what drugs were they using? What were they drinking alcohol? How often were they using a substance? And I would give them a diagnosis of what we now call a substance use disorder. And when I finished, they would look across at me and they would say, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they did suspect their child was using a substance, they would say, I sort of knew something was going on, but I didn't know it was this bad. Now, these are good parents. These are good parents doing the best job that they can do. They missed the warning signs because nobody told them what to look for. So when I left Menninger Clinic, retired from there, I wrote this book uh, because I wanted parents to know what the warning signs are. You know, knowledge is power. If you know what the warning signs are, you know what to look for. And perhaps you feel a little bit more empowered to deal with this issue. So my book has warning signs on a child that might be using marijuana. What do you look for? My book has warning signs on a child that might be drinking alcohol. I also put in warning signs for a child that might be developing an eating disorder or might be self-harming themselves because sometimes, not always, but sometimes a child will be developing an eating disorder or self-harming themselves as well as taking a substance. So I wanted parents to know what those warning signs are and they're all listed in that book. But, but as a general rule, what I say to parents is pay attention to the changes you see in your child. You know your child better than anyone. Pay attention to the changes you're seeing. Don't assume that they're just normal adolescent acting out behaviors. They may be, they may very well be that, but they also might be an indicator that there's something else going on underneath the surface that you need to pay attention to. So some examples would be a child whose grades are declining, a child who um, used to enjoy participating in sports and extracurricular activities, no longer shows an interest in those activities. A child who used to introduce you to their friends now becomes very secretive of who their friends are, becomes very secretive of where they've been and what they've been doing. Um, and then obviously, if you find any drug paraphernalia or any strange odors out of your child's room, these are all warning signs that you need to pick up on. Um, so we're talking with uh, Richard Capriola, and his book is um, uh, Help for the Addicted Child. Um, you can find it at uh, helptheaddictedchild.com. Why don't you, uh, Richard, if you would, take us through your website and uh, kind of tell the folks what they'll find there. Yeah, the website is uh, www.helptheaddictedchild.com, helptheaddictedchild.com. When you get to the website, you'll be able to read a, uh, a sample from the book, a sample chapter. Uh, you'll be able to read endorsements. Uh, you'll be able to read book reviews. Uh, there's a link that will take you to some blog artic articles. There's a blog article on, on, on mental health that has some tips for parents on just you know, some very simple questions that you can ask your child to check in on their mental health every once in a while. Um, uh, there's also links that will take you directly to Amazon where if you wish to buy the book, you can. It's available as a Kindle. It's also available as a paperback. 
Um, there's information on a parent workbook that I put together to help parents because, you know, so many times, Ram, we, we focus on the child and we forget that the parent is going through a crisis. The parent is going through a crisis as well, and the parent needs help. So I wanted to put this brief workbook together that would help the parents because they're going through a struggle as well, and, and they need a support system, and they need help as well. So I put together this brief workbook that's also available through Amazon. So there's a link that will take you to Amazon where you can, um, if you wish to order the book, um, or if you want a copy of the parent workbook, either for yourself or maybe a family member or a friend, or just to keep on your bookshelf in case somebody in your church or somebody in your, in your family or your, your friends um, is confronted with this issue, you can offer it as a resource and a blessing to them. Yeah, nothing is, I got to say, nothing is tougher for a parent than and watching your kids go through things like that. Yeah, it's, and uh, and feeling uh, you know helpless to to do anything. So yeah, yes. So this is a great resource. Oh, the, the book I think you said is only about a hundred pages. Yeah, I kept it to around a hundred pages because parents are busy. <clears throat> Excuse me, they don't have time to read volumes of information on this. So so I kept the chapters short but I packed it with as much information as I can so that in about a hundred pages, parents will be able to learn the warning signs. They'll be able to learn about how drugs work in the brain. They'll be able to learn a little bit about these street drugs. You know, parents know about alcohol and marijuana. They may not be familiar with some of these other street drugs. So I put brief little chapters in the book that help parents be aware of the drugs that are out there on the street. Uh, and then there's resources in there. Uh, there's how to identify an effective, uh, you know, research-based treatment program. Uh, I packed all of that into about 100 pages. Okay. And this is um, uh, primarily, I guess you would say, uh, medically oriented uh, information that, that the parents will get through the book? No, I kept it away from the medical jargon, the scientific jargon, because I wanted this to be a resource that parents could read and walk away and say, I've got this. I got this. I feel better about this now. I hope I don't have to confront this issue, but if I do, I feel better prepared to be able to deal with it. So no, there is not a lot of scientific jargon in this book. There is not a lot of research that you have to pile through to understand. This book was written um, as a book that as a parent, I wish I would have had. Uh, that I wish I could have sat down in a hundred pages, gotten this kind of information. Anyone in our studio audience have any questions or comments you'd like to make at this point? Now is, now is your chance. Just raise your hand there and I'm watching, watching the screen to see if anyone has a question. We got a quiet group out there. Betty, yes, thank you. I don't really have a question, but it's sad that society and our kids have turned so much to drugs, you know, and I blame it kind of not only on churches, but parents being both they both have to work you know and they're never home to watch their children like they should be you know does that make well, sense yeah it makes perfect sense um the the family structure is really broken down and uh it is it is sad families don't don't have meals together they don't spend time together when they are together they're playing on their phones or their pads or whatever they're 
poking. You know, it's it's hard nowadays for kids to even have a conversation, um, let alone be, I mean, before you even bring in the topic of drugs. But um, we are, um, what's the word? Um, can't think of the word, but we are messed up. <laughs> we are messed up. You know, but we all know that the, the greatest help we can give our young people is Jesus, our creator and the author and finisher of our faith, right? It's all well and good to deal with the symptoms, emotions, and mental health treatments for young people with addiction, addictions. Um, and we should, and foremost, introduce them to Jesus and then mentor and disciple them so that they can come to understand who he truly is that he holds them in the palm of his hand and how there's no one else in the world that loves or cares for them more. That's, that's my two cents. I think we need to really help our young people understand that they can know and be known by their creator and they, he has good work for them to do. And when they see that he has good work for them to do, they'll have a purpose, which will drive them away from this nonsense hopefully drive them toward something productive. Anyway, that's my two cents worth. <laughs> I think that was well said, Rob. So, you know, kids need a purpose. Um, and they need something substantial. They're not getting, they're not getting anything substantial in 99% of the churches out there. Uh, they see hypocrisy within their parents they see a world in chaos with no hope um that study that i mentioned uh, i forget the percentage but it was extremely high of of young people that don't feel they're capable or able to join the workforce so, so they they have no purpose in life good grief introduce them to their creator mentor them disciple them um, show them what their ministry is. Um, I guess that's all I have to say, <laughs> but I think that's important to note. So, can I um, add something here? Uh, yeah, yeah, jump in, so Harry. We, jump we, in, Harry. We have grandchildren that fit, fit the category of you can't talk to them because they're not going to listen. A um, couple of them came from 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 families that were church going, really good Christians. The mother, the father, did not follow the church. They they, they didn't they didn't lead the children. The, the the mother did what she could, but we have two two boys that are really pretty well messed up. They're starting to come back, but they're also what over thirty now. Yeah. Uh, but one of them has a, a daughter, so it's a great-grandchild, who's in a, a uh, Christian school, church school, and she is learning from her father, which in this case is reversed. The, the father's doing the, the learning or teaching. The mother isn't. But the, the, the great-granddaughter of, uh, what, second grade, I believe, and she is doing fantastic, you know, but she's learning what the grandchildren, the, the father in this case, should have learned back when he was his age. 
her 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 age. So you know. Well, she, you know, Harry, she may be the one to teach them. them. That's what we're hoping, praying that she's the one that turns them around. Because she's the one that comes home and quotes scripture to them, tells them Bible stories. Uh, She's the one that keeps Jesus Christ in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I, like I said, said, um, God has, has good work for them to do. And that's that's probably her mission so encourage her all you can in that how how old is how old is, how old is your great daughter well she's seven seven yeah oh okay she's oh eight. okay no not that much old. she's seven yes yeah, yeah she's seven years old well well you know you know Little kids can do it. <laughs> little kids can do it. So I, I've, I've seen some little kids with some amazing faith. Um, so don't don't count her out. We count on her. We don't count her out. We, we depend yeah. on her doing yeah. exactly that. Yeah. Well, we, keep her in your prayers. Keep her in your prayers. She's as she's doing this she will also have spiritual attacks going on so and she'll also be lured into this uh drug culture that unfortunately so many of our young people are so um she may not be lured but she will be tempted let me put it that way it's in the home on a daily basis now yeah you, you mean the lord is in the home on a daily basis I wish that was what I meant. No, I meant marijuana. Oh. Well, it's being used medicinally, but still. It's there. So the temptation's there when she decides if she wants to try it or not. It's there. It's available. I don't know if she knows it's there. Hmm. Hmm. Someday she'll figure it out. And then it's her choice. Yeah. It's unfortunate, though, because, um, again... When you're messing around with this stuff with a, a adolescent brain, you, I'm, I believe you are bringing on some long-term consequences that you're going to pay for in adulthood. So, um, like I said, I, I, I know people that suffer from panic attacks and uh, paranoia and schizophrenia, and I, I believe a lot of that goes back to heavy marijuana use in their in their teen years. So, and um, teen years, high school, college, leading up to that. It goes right on into adulthood. We we have met and talked with more than one burned out old hippie, and he's burned out on pot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I have to say I know my share too. So, in fact, you know, there are people that... Um, People that I knew were doing it when I was 18 years old are still doing it. They're, and there are people that I knew when I was 18 uh, were sitting in bars every day and they're still sitting on those same bar stools. So, Richard, weigh in here and t- tell us what your thoughts are. Well, I think that um, 
you know, that the family environment is such a critical component to a young child's raising. Um, and I think the point was made earlier about how parents uh, have become so involved in other activities that, that the kids have almost been left to their, their own in, in terms of the home environment. And I think that's sad. Uh, certainly, that's been a dramatic cha change in society over the last 30 or 40 years. I'm not sure it's been a very good one, uh, but, but it is a very real one. And, uh, and many of these kids, uh, you know, feel uh, left alone, they feel isolated, uh, they struggle with uh, all of the changes going on in society. Look at the number of kids that have turned to social media. There was uh, research done not too long ago by Facebook that, that showed the consequences of social media on these young men and women, particularly girls, and how it's affecting their self-image. Um, so I think society has changed dramatically, um, you know, in the last 20 to 30 years. I'm not sure that those changes have been very good. Uh, but nevertheless, we have to deal with them as, as professionals. We have to deal with them as parents and grandparents. Um, and, and the effect on society is, 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 is tremendous. It's just, it's just such a significant change and, and a rapid change. <clears throat> it wasn't that long ago when we didn't have iPhones. It wasn't that long ago when we didn't have TikTok and Facebook and all these other social uh, media challenges that kids that today's teens are on almost completely impulsively yeah let's you know that's something i mentioned earlier um i th think uh people can probably relate if they've been in any family situations uh over the holidays and uh, christmas time and and uh you've got a group of a dozen people sitting in a room and they're all uh self-involved on their own in their own they're, little worlds. They're on their phones. They're on their uh, social media. They're not talking to each other. Uh, you know, at mealtime, they're on their social medias. And, and, and kids take their cues from their parents. So if you got parents sitting around glued to their iPhones 24-7, um, what do you think the kids are going to do? They're going to be on their iPhones too. Yeah. You have to lead by example. Well, I got to tell you, the... Uh... The phone was the easiest uh, thing to ever for for me to ever give up. Um, I, I I quit Facebook because they banned me one too many times, so I just I, I banned them, and um, thought I would miss it. Best thing I ever did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I understand it's a good way to to, uh, to reach people if if you if you're not being shadow banned at the time or um blocked in some way it's a good way to reach people stay in touch but um there are other ways and um i think we need to get back to the old ways um you know what the least you know what the least used app i, I i've been doing some research on smartphones and um most smartphones on average 80 apps installed there are over 3 million apps available for a smartphone. But do you know what the um, the least used app is on a smartphone? Raise your hand. Come on, you know. <laughs> the phone. Bible app. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Pick up the phone, call somebody. But people would rather text or 
you know, it's we live in such a different society. It's such a distant society now. They'd rather uh, send a send a text than have a, a even a thirty second conversation. So yeah. yep. anyway, we're getting off topic here, but we are we are speaking with Richard Capriola and his book um, "Help for the Addicted Child" and his website, which is helptheaddictedchild.com. So anything more you want to add to our program here today, Richard, or anyone else in the audience have any, any more comments? I would just, just say that, um, you know, this mental health substance abuse issue among our adolescent population um, is growing more and more serious uh, as, as time goes on. It's affecting more and more families, more and more children. Um, it is not one that as a society, we have done a very good job of attacking, so to speak. You know, years ago, we had just say no. That That's a waste of time and money and effort. Um, telling kids not to use drugs goes right over their head. Uh, they don't pay attention to it, telling them uh, it, it's harmful for them, telling them it's illegal, telling them it's uh, uh, bad for them. They don't believe and they don't care about any of that. When, when I was working with teenagers at Menninger Clinic, it did me absolutely no good to tell these young men and women that these drugs are illegal. It did me no good to tell them that if they continue to use, their grades might drop. They might not graduate. They might not get into college. They might not get a job. They didn't care about any of that because they didn't believe it. So, so what well, did I think they? I think they probably believed it. They probably just didn't care. Um, yeah, they, a little they, bit of both. A little bit of much, both. They, 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 I think they didn't think believe they understood it. it. They, they, yeah. And a lot of them just didn't believe it would happen to them. This is something that happens to other kids. Uh, yeah. You know, these 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 kids were all uh, high achieving, uh, above average uh, kids. Uh, you know, they 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 weren't concerned about their grades. They weren't concerned about graduating, and they didn't think drugs are harmful. Um, but but what did work with them? What captured their attention? What I found what what worked with them, what captured their attention, was the neuroscience. When I talk to them about their brain, when I talk to them about their brain developing, when I showed them what marijuana does to a developing brain, and I showed them a picture of it, which is in my book, of where marijuana attaches itself to the brain, the light bulb, that, that they were interested in, that they wanted to know about. So if there is a way to impact the young people of this country and move them away through away from substances. It's going to be through the neural uh, science approach, teaching them at a very young age the importance of the brain. Started in elementary school. Teach them what the brain is. Teach them what it does. Then, as they move into middle school and high school. They've got that understanding of the brain from elementary school. Now you can introduce what drugs do to the brain. So take a neuroscience approach. That's what kids are interested in. They're curious anyway. So tap into that. Teach them about the brain. Teach them about the importance of the brain. And then as they get older in middle school and high school, teach them about what these drugs are doing to that brain. Take that approach. 
might make a difference. But telling them just say no, bringing in a police officer every once in a while for an assembly that preaches to them about how it's illegal, they don't care about that. Well, it comes back to, I think, kids want to know the truth. Um, they don't want to be lied to, and they they want to know the, know the truth. Yeah. Um, so uh, when they realize they've been deceived, they get angry, and then they um, then they're able to make changes. Yeah. Um, but you have to show them that they've been deceived and and uh, show them what the truth actually is. Harry has a question or a comment. I see. Come on in, Harry. Come on in, Harry. You've mentioned marijuana and alcohol exclusively. Uh, have you worked with other substance abuses? You know, where do they rank with the marijuana and the alcohol? From what I've seen, the people we know, it's a whole lot worse. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was talking about the heroin that, that has been a major problem in our area. Yeah, I... I, I... Again, if we go back to the research and, and, and what kids are telling us in, 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 a, in a nationwide research that's done every year, what, we're, what we consistent, consistently see is the high percentage of, of, of drug use is confined to primarily alcohol and marijuana. Those are the two substances that, 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 that kids gravitate to. Uh, you know, probably 30, 33% of high school seniors are using a substance. Okay, that's one in three. Um, you know, 30 some percent of uh, high school students are using marijuana. 52% um, of high school students are drinking alcohol. These are very high percentages. You do not see these percentages in drugs like fentanyl and cocaine and some of these other drugs. Now, that's not to say that those drugs aren't out there. And it's not to say that kids don't have access or not using them. But those percentages of kids, high school kids that report using them are generally much less than 5%. Nowhere near the percentage of kids who tell us that they're using marijuana, drinking alcohol, or using uh, nicotine by vaping. These other drugs are out there. These kids know about it, but they're not gravitating to them, less than 5%. Does that change, Richard, if um, based on uh, location? In other words, if, if it's a larger city, is there more of that type of thing? Or if it's a... Um, demographically more of a, um, a liberal city? Are we seeing more uh, varied drug use? Uh, you're going to see changes. You're going to see percentage changes from, from location to location, but you're not going to see significant changes. Um, and, 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 you know, that's why I go back to the issue that every child is vulnerable. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter where you live, urban, suburban, or rural area. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what the level of income is. Every child is, is, is susceptible to being captured by, by drugs. These drugs are out there. They're in every community. They're in every school and, uh, and they're just readily available and, and kids know it. They know these drugs are available. They know where to get them if they want to. Uh, and they know how easy it is to, to, to get them, especially drugs like alcohol or marijuana, uh, or uh, if they want to vape nicotine or vape marijuana, they, they know how to get this stuff. Hmm. Yeah, sad, sad state of affairs. It is. So 
But uh, Richard has put together a book, 100 pages, uh, easy for you all to get through. And there's a workbook for the parents. So yeah. you can check that out at healthyaddictedchild.com. Um, also, you have a, um, a blog there, some news articles, some reviews. Um, and uh, this would be a resource for people that, um, that need it. And unfortunately, more and more people need it now than ever before. So, yeah. Closing thoughts, Richard. Well, first of all, thank you, Rob, for inviting me to the program to talk about this issue. Um, it's, an, it's an issue that, uh, that, that I have dealt with for over 10 years, working with families and teenagers and even adults uh, who, who, who have become addicted. You know, I worked on an adult unit at Menninger as well as, a, uh, as an adolescent unit. So um, I, I saw how these drugs impact the lives of both teenagers and adults. And, and I also saw, saw how it affected families. Um, and, and that's what led me to write this book. I, I, I want parents to not be paranoid, not be afraid of, of this issue. And so many parents just don't want don't, don't to deal with it. They don't want to think about it. They, they hope it never happens. But, you know, um, the, the best thing that parents can do is, is, is to be more knowledgeable about it and, and to be aware of the warning signs and be prepared to deal with it if they have to. You hope you never do, but be prepared to, to, to deal with it. Uh, um, because um, you know, many, times, many times these young men and women who are struggling with the substance use are doing it to medicate an underlying psychological issue that sadly goes undiagnosed and untreated. Uh, we focus on the child using the substance and, and, and we miss the fact that that child is suffering and using a substance to medicate an issue like anxiety or depression or trauma or some other issue. Maybe it's an emerging personality disorder and that child is using a substance to medicate that issue. Kids are no different than adults. If we have an uncomfortable feeling, we don't want to sit with it. We want to get rid of it. And kids are no different. So if they're suffering from anxiety or depression or trauma or any other psychological issue, they're going to find a way to, 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 to deal with that issue. And unfortunately, many of these kids are struggling with these issues. They go unrecognized, undiagnosed, and untreated. And these kids are finding their own treatment in the form of a drug. Yeah, well, and, and I, I believe it all goes back to, a, it's, it's really a spiritual issue um, that they're treating with a drug. Um, it's really, really a spiritual issue at the, at the root of the deal, the spiritual aspect of things and the rest will <laughs> probably take care of itself fairly quickly. Um, you know, I, um, uh, we're talking about uh, teens and, and young adults, but I I do tune into the. Uh, well, I don't tune in. I read the local news, and um, it's amazing what we have. As far as um, there's several things that I that I tend to read regularly. One's the obituaries, <laughs> and um, one is. Um, uh, the county mugshots and, and the crime lineup and and the crime lineup 
I would say 95% of the crimes um, committed, and they're not all be, they're not, they haven't all been arrested for drugs. Uh, some are very serious, very violent, very dangerous crimes, um, but they're all hooked on the drugs. So the drugs do have an effect on the on the people and and uh, in in many ways. So they're all. It's amazing to see some of these people are on their tenth uh, OWI. Their tenth. I, I don't know how you even get to that point, <laughs> but but you know. We live in Wisconsin, so alcohol is what it is. But, uh, you know, we had somebody in the news uh, not so long ago on their 10th uh, operating while intoxicated. And um, crazy. So that's that's the society we're living in. Yeah. That's, that's so, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, 10 times. That's so. Okay, so well, thank you, Richard. I appreciate you being here today, and um, I, I hope people will check out your website and uh, check out the book. And um, hopefully, today's information was helpful. If you know someone in a situation like this, steer them in this direction. And uh, it's a hundred-page book, and um, available on Kindle, available in paperback, and a workbook for the parents. Um, you can find this at helptheaddictedchild.com. And our guest was Richard Capriola. He's the author of that book. We will be back next week. Next Tuesday, I will be back. Promise, I'll be here. Um, my guest will be Alex Newman uh, from the Liberty Sentinel. Uh, I think uh, probably a lot of you are familiar with Alex and his work. He's been on pretty much every media source there is. And uh, we're going to have a lively discussion next week with Alex. So we will see you then Tuesday, 5 p.m. Central on WCNTV.net. Share this program. Thanks for being here. God bless. Mm -hmm.